no one else can work. (laughs) Well, thank God Django's back tomorrow. Like he and I are trading the baton almost perfectly. Like if I had just tested positive after my shift tomorrow, but that would have been bad because then I would have been way more stressed about exposing people to it. But yeah. 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 At least I have this beautiful immune system that has kept me safe for all of these years. I'll be back and I'll be back and at him in no time, kids. Mm-hmm. God, I feel like shit. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get pictures of Jeff in bed, all covered in watermelon juice and feeling bad. Ooh, you did. <laughs> you did confuse some of Django's traits for mine there, but I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll take yeah, it. I don't know. <laughs> started we got to get it in soon all right and here are the reasons because i've just been diagnosed with a case of the covid we have no idea when this is all gonna come raining just the shit's gonna hit the fan i popped the i popped the positive about 30 minutes before we started recording and i've heard this stuff can go fast all right so if we're gonna make make sure we've got level heads by the end of this we got to start it now. So everyone, welcome in. It's episode 269, nice, of the pom- the podcast by the Perfectly Accessible Podcast people <laughs> from the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. That's right. It's season four, episode six, I think. Um, maybe season five, season four. It's one of the seasons that we did, two, three, four. Um, it's a comic show podcast. Oh, no, I can feel it. I can feel it dusting. <laughs> I can feel it crystallizing on the edges of where my consciousness meets the physical reality. I can feel like those little grow crystals at your home things, you know, where it's like, it starts to crystallize on the edges and go in. I can feel COVID turning my blood into crystals. So before I turn into an entire bloodstone, Oh wait, I already did the whole intro. It's happening. (laughs) Episode 269. Nice. Comics place. Perfectly acceptable podcast. Love to be here. So happy to be here. We had some time off. Hey everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm Colette. I'm Roman. We're the ones who've been holding it down for the last months while Django's been gone. Um, but listen, Django gets back tomorrow at the time of recording, which is about 24 hours away from when I contracted COVID. So, or we started testing positive. So we really handed the baton off to one another. Colette, <laughs> everyone was getting it. Okay. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do, but I would highly recommend that you don't do it what I did. Okay. I mean, I think it. We all know very well that I don't like doing what the crowd is doing. And so I don't I either be collab. avoiding this. <laughs> but um, listen, the thing, the things, oh, peer pressure is a hell of a drug. <laughs> hey, Roman. Hey. Hey, Roman. Huh? Yeah. I've got an email from Will Elmer here. Uh, it says, um, hey, everybody. It's Will. <laughs> Happy episode 269. Congratulations on making it to 269 parentheses nice dot 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 i'm usually very good at writing clever witty things but today i'm feeling a little bit like jeff has covid so (laughs) i think i just want to write in to say what did you guys all think of dr strange and the multiverse of madness and um i would like to know what your favorite elseworlds story is or story that takes place in a different earth or multiverse uh (laughs) thanks as always for being great 
And Jeff, I hope that the crystals don't get, I hope that the crystals don't turn the whole pool of crystal water into crystals. Cause that's when, you know, you got full, the COVID will get you is if like <laughs> the science experiment is all, you know, mineralized stuff. I hope that the liquid of your consciousness stays liquid and not crystals. Bye. Will. Thanks for the email, Will. That was yeah. really nice of you. <laughs> yeah, that was so sweet. Good old Will. We can oh, always count on Will. We can. Such a wonderful, reliable person. That yeah. Will. So special and wonderful. <laughs> um, oh. b- but it was a great question. Clearly <laughs> thought about for a long time. So my question to you two, did you see Man, man Dr. Strange Man? Loves the bomb? Nope, haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Okay, well, Will, it's a great question. I liked it. There were parts I did not like and parts I did like. And there was that one part that I really liked. And I think you know what I'm talking about. You want want to hear a sad story? Yeah, that's why I come to this podcast. (laughs) Of course. I got home one night, sat down on the couch, had my takeout, whatever it was. And I turned on uh, Disney Plus and there was a new Doctor Strange banner. And I was so excited because I thought, oh my God, I didn't know the new Doctor Strange movie is going to be streaming at the same time it's in the theaters. So I got all settled with my, my Mexican food, whatever. My takeout is all got my sweats. I was all ready to watch the new Doctor Strange movie. I hit play and it's like, this is the first Doctor Strange movie. Oh, oh. It's, it, it's on there because it's the new 4K whatever and, release. And that movie that was, wasn't very good. No, I mean, I saw it twice, um, but I think I liked it. <laughs> I think the second one is better. But now onto the second portion of Will Elmer's ah, yes. very thoughtful question. Favorite Elseworlds or multiversal story? Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's so many. Um, yeah. I know. Uh, just out of, out of my butt, I'm going to say that my favorite Elseworlds story is uh, the nail, the JLA, the nail. Is that an Two, Elseworlds story? Two-parter. I think it's retroactively an Elseworlds story. Oh, okay. I don't I've think never it was, read it. I don't think it was published as one, but. They said it was later. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say mine are two. I'll do one from each of the two big twos. Uh, I'll say from Marvel, Old Man Logan. Because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe a, maybe good Elseworlds are ones that maybe aren't necessarily obviously an Elseworld. Like maybe it's a possible future. And, and then going uh, antithetically to that, I would say Superman Red Sun, which is definitely an Elseworld story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my two. Colette, where do you fall on the Elseworlds multiverse debate? Um, I mean, I usually like them. Yeah. Or I... I like the opportunity for a genuine premise. There's plenty of Elseworlds world stories that are just like, oh, we need a 500th Batman story coming out. Let's pick another Elseworlds. But um, I mean, I get my, I have to say Mr. Miracle because it's probably, oh. it's like one of my top favorite books and Human Target, even though it's only halfway done. Um, I love White Knight. That first volume is fantastic. Uh, and I- Good call, good call. I know I'm spacing on something- older that i love but i just can't i don't know if you know this but i've worked a lot recently and i'm a little brain dead so i'm gonna be really entertaining tonight welcome to Um, the last nine years of my life i will also throw out mark miller's 1985 um which is a really good marvel story um Mm -hmm. i think is like very kind of multiversal but that's the one where uh takes place in the year 1985 and the marvel characters have some of the marvel characters have escaped into our reality uh, good guys and bad guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. That's mine. Hey, listen, we're going to be talking about a lot of comic books this week because there weren't that many that came out. Wait, no, sorry. We're, oh, there it is. Crystallizing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> listen, I can feel my fluids turning to solids before your eyes. 
Um, but the, the variety of comics we're going to talk about this week, we're going to talk about I Hate This Place, number one. We're going to talk about Nightwing, 92. We're going to talk about Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to Be Kin. Strange title, number one. We're going to do a little X-Men segment, Immortal X-Men number two and X-Men Red number two, World's Finest number three, Thor 25, Fables 151, not in that order. If you need the order, listen, if you need the order, look in the timestamps, okay? That's how it's going to actually have come together. I just threw a bunch of books out there. We're going to talk about them, but listen, we're going to let the Red River runneth, okay? We're going to let, we are going to let the flow of these crystals take us where we are, much like, uh, much like blood escaping the urethral canal when you have a kidney stone the red river will will runneth after the crystallization listen i'm stuck into a spot i need to get out of it um so let's start talking about i hate this place or fuck this place if you like number one by kyle starks artyom talpolin and lee luridge i know colette and i like that colorist um and then kyle starks who our store in general is a pretty big fan of um we've talked about pretty much all of their books going back to red big red candy mountain rock the big crystallized river where the red rock the the peninsula of non-covid and the crystal is <laughs> um rock candy mountain hey what'd you guys think of i hate this place i thought this was great i i lost words um you getting crystals i'm is I, it taking my brain you? my I, I'm not getting the COVID crystals, but I'm okay. getting the, the um, my brain is shut down. The gears have uh, have gotten so rusty and, and stuck in place that now crystals are forming just hey, over listen, time. Um, I've noticed that your gears are looking a little bit rusty over there. And if there's one <laughs> thing I can sell you, it is some very lubricated gears, ma'am. Um, <laughs> $12 a gear. It looks like you could use like six or seven. What's the cost for installation? 12 uh, also. Okay. Yeah, it's seven. Uh, um, it's sorry. It's it's twelve dollars per gear and an installation fee of twelve dollars. Okay. Let me uh let me go get my change purse and I will see oh what Lord. I have available. What I have I available. Might only be able to get three or four of those gears. Still a twelve dollar uh, installation fee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, three or four is better than nothing. So that's my. Well, that's my favorite <laughs> bit. Is my traveling gear salesman guy. <laughs> my favorite Southern gear tra- traveling gear salesman guy. Um. <laughs> Jeff's notorious for it. Um, okay, so this book was, I, I liked it a lot, but I think that with the thing that we obviously need to talk about at first is just the one scene where the girl lifts the box and has the veiny arms. Does everyone remember the scene with the veiny arms? I'm looking for it now because I don't remember that scene. There is a lot of scenes of very veiny oh, yeah. arms, but check this out in the camera. When she's um, lifting her bag of guns. Oh, yeah, gosh. it's like cables. It's like Jeff you know, eight o'clock on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday after he's gotten home from the fitness center after pumping iron for a couple hours because those are his workout days. Cables. Oh, it's like a I didn't even catch that. It's like a consistent thing for her throughout the comic. Yeah, she's got part, veins. That she's just got I loved how muscular both of them were. The, yeah. Like I really like yeah. the art style in general. It actually kind of at times like it reminded me of Tradmore and New World a little bit, just in terms of like the faces, like the glasses and the lips. Like there was mm-hmm. sort of a, you know, it's almost like a Disney-esque quality, but then Lee Luridge does a fantastic low ridge. Lou Ridge does a great job of adding that classic Lee kind of flat coloring style that they have. It's very different than, you know, like a Dave Stewart or something, which is very rounded. Like there'll be a lot more f- flat kind of, I don't know if uh, there's an opaqueness or something to it. Like I just, a like those Claritin commercials when they peel off the Claritin <laughs> thing. You're like, I didn't even realize that I was seeing through fog. Um, somebody got that. Oh, I got it. Uh, and then I like the story. 
I like the story. We haven't podcasted in so fucking long. <laughs> We're so out of practice. Uh, yeah. It's been yeah, so, weeks. So this couple inherits a cattle farm from a family that they haven't ever been with. Uh, and they need to go and raise this last head of cattle, sell it off to then have money to go and live their lives. Uh, but when they're on their way, they uh, they meet up with uh, or they get stopped to get gas. And the guy talks about all the UFOs out there. And it turns out, well, gosh, they hate this place because it's fucking haunted and yeah. uh, or it's aliens or it's zombies. We don't know. Or all, the above. or all of the above. Yeah. And it's just a good, you know, trapped in a, a haunted cattle ranch. Don't go in the woods. Just the right amount of creepy. But the, the art and the coloring is just cartoony enough to make it not like straight hor- like creepy horror it's like fun creep instead did anybody else read the unnerving letters page write-up yes i really liked the letters page write-up that was just a great explanation of he was like well i wanted to do a story like this type of 80s horror or this type of 80s horror or this wait i just want to do all of it i want there to be like a psychopathic slasher i want there to be aliens i want there to maybe be zombies is it ghosts all of the above and kyle starks what i love about his writing is that's kind of his thing is like riffing on 80s genre things like six sidekicks of trigger keaton was like i guess before the 80s but um you know like that kind of old hollywood type thing or you know assassination is very much an 80s you know cocaine action movie this one is 80s horror stuff so i love that he's just consistently kind of doing a his narrative spin on the aspect of fiction that he loved from his younger years and I think that's awesome. And I also think it's kind of an era of things that is maybe overmined in some genre or mediums, but um, you know, like, you know, the things like the Cobra Kai's and stuff like the, the well done homages to things from our childhood, I think is cool when done well And this. I feel like he consistently does do things uh, well when he's doing that. Well, so it's a love for the period and what came out of it and not creating a caricature of it. That's a good point. Yeah, and I really like the um, like you guys are saying, I really like the coloring. I like the art, um, that first full page shot when they're there at the ranch. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I like the little there's some little things in the artwork that uh, they don't really draw attention to. But like the gas station attendant, the old man tells them about the there's somebody. Oh, no, it's on the tape. They find about the poltergeist. Um, but before they see that tape, there's a scene where they're in the kitchen and the one the gun nut character says, says to her, her girlfriend that uh, I thought you were going to put all these away. And that's all they say about it. But the cans are all stacked on the kitchen table and all the cabinets are open. That's poltergeist activity. Oh yeah, you're right. I totally didn't notice that. Yeah. I got too caught up looking in how weirdly stacked all the cans were. And I really liked how like haphazardly they yeah, were see, drawn in see, there. I had but, flipped yeah. the book sideways to see if, uh, there was any text to be read from the VHS spines, which there was not, which was maybe one of my favorite little touches was like, there's this weird bunker and it's filled with VHS tapes. Including like, all of the facts of life. Yeah. And I just love <laughs> the idea of the bad, you take the good. So, you know, at that point, you're going to have to invest in a DVD player or at least a row cube. Um, so you can start streaming things down there. Oh, do you hear that? Do you hear that? It's a little crystallization in my throat. <clears throat> I'll clear it out. <clears throat> so yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I'm staying just, liquid. Just like when the Star Trek crew, crew beams down to that planet and Spock gets hit with those spores. Oh, no. 
yeah, things go bad. Listen, I don't think this thing broke the mold and it wasn't the best book that I read this week, but I did like it quite a bit. And I, I think Kyle Stark's voice is amusing, is always amusing. Like I seldom find it not amusing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious where it's going to go. And I trust Kyle Stark's, um, and a part of me is just like, boy, these they, they don't know how hard this is going to. I just even without aliens and poltergeists and things, you know, running a cattle ranch is hard work. So they, they don't know what they're getting into. It is interesting, though. I don't I'm curious to see if Kyle Starks makes me care about the gun nut character because prepper so, girlfriend. Yeah, the prepper girlfriend, because as soon as she said the thing about guns, I was instantly I was like, OK, I don't care about you. You're a nutball. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. Um yeah, we've had a couple, I don't know, like a number of books come out that feel kind of similar to this in the last like year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, like Stillwater from Chip Zdarsky or just like kind of like two people or one person goes off, finds a town, spooky things start happening. So like, like I said, not reinventing the wheel, but of those ones coming out, he consistently at least has a, an aspect or a voice that makes me amused, like I said. So I gave this one an eight, trying to sort of like, you know, assess eight that's an eight eight is a good score you got a mm-hmm. good score dude have an eight kyle quit nipping at my balls man <laughs> i'm crystallizing over here oh my god i wish you all could see how long the book the b was just hanging on jeff's yeah. lips as he tried to decide if he was gonna say balls or not yep yeah it was i i did that you're right the crystals <laughs> were getting me i was outrunning Beautiful. the crystallization like i could you know, I got hung up for a second. The crystals got my leg and started solidifying it. And I had to crack my leg and grab it and sort of like hop off away from it. Cause it's, it, it's the crystals, man. They're coming for me. This water, I got to find it. I, yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, <laughs> all I can hear is balls. <laughs> what are your scores for it? Um, Give it an eight. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, yeah, that's, it's got a, a weird horned band in the woods. And I know, yeah. I know, I know, uh, uh, Colette, you like you like antlers, so I do like antlers, especially <laughs> like if they are on rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> then they're jackalopes, and they're the most wonderful creature ever to grace the earth. <sighs> Roman, what was your score? Was it also an eight? I gave it a seven. Oh hell yeah! But listen, that's one of the reasons we came here. That's one of the reasons we got together tonight was to talk about that book. But the main reason that we got together tonight was to beat everyone. Was to beat senseless. everyone. <laughs> it was senseless. <laughs> we wanted to bop. We wanted to play little bunny foo foo and bop the meesey mice on the head for a third dang time because listen, you don't want to hear about it, but we're going to talk about it. It's Nightwing. Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo back on the book. I thought you were going to bring up Hit Me, baby. Issue. <laughs> oh, you. Issue 92. <laughs> Issue 92 of Nightwing. Uh, this is, you know, awesome. uh, I got halfway through it. And I was like, dang it, man, is this a 10? Like, this is a 10. This is a fucking 10. I'm halfway through this comic. And like, he would have to really mess up for this to not be a 10. And he didn't. And there's not a ton of brand new stuff to say about this series. But spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. What do you two think about this thing? Uh, You know, as I keep saying, I'm so mad that they killed off Alfred. But books like this, we get flashbacks to great alfred moments and this one he he like he, he dresses down batman and tells him to you know rein it in and quit being a dick and it's awesome yeah it wasn't in will's elmer but it, will... <laughs> it wasn't in the elmer mail uh the sweet uh 269 nice email but he did send me a message of the scene where alfred says 
take off the cowl and leave your disapproval at the door or do not enter. And Will's thought was, damn, son. Not only is Nightwing incredible, it also really shines a light on all the recent Batman stories. Tom Taylor has been the only one to actually do something with the death of Alfred that Tom King left behind for others to continue telling stories with. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree. Like he has, even in his uh, Superman book, He's brought aspects of uh, Alfred into there to to like carry on the torch of that character and, and make sure that even though he's not here right now, he is like his memory is felt and the importance of that character is there. And I really loved in this issue, particularly how he cast that shadow on it, but how it's been a part of the run the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a beautiful depiction of Alfred and and he's not actually alive in it, but he's everything that is Alfred in here is everything that you could hope and want. Alfred's stories to be he's just that he reminds me of my grandpa who Hmm. is the like paragon of refined gentleman loving human like the person that you did not argue with and and I just the the shot of Alfred lowering down from the batwing to to collect dick when he was in and Barbara is just like well there's your fucking hero it's not Batman showing up it's it's Alfred coming out to it it's just caring it's loving it's parenting it's so i I love also just the art shift that happens Mm -hmm. like the way that he portrays artistically the flashback because like you give me a gray and blue batman with a yellow emblem on the chest and i am i am here like that is my childhood image of batman i love it that's that's the thing that gave me my first excitement yeah yeah that's really beautiful i mean he really looks like for me, the uh, Jim Aparo's Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the flashbacks are so good. The the art difference. I love Barbara oh. and her costume and everything for that. And and for a Nightwing book, like this is such a fantastic depiction of Barbara too. Mm-hmm. For being a supporting character to the title character, she's so measured and strong and very much her own character, but not it. It doesn't take over the book. It's not like this should be called Nightwing and and Batgirl, but I just, I lose words talking about this book because it's just so damn good. I, just, I love, I love the way issue, that I, like he has, Tom Taylor has consistently um, kind of brought this uh, post, you know, Twitter face. I think that he's one writer. I've talked about it within the last couple of months, but I like when writers can intelligently write in aspects of how society and technology have evolved and the way that stories are related to that. So within this one, like there's a big attack and he can't fight all of the goons Nightwing that show up. But what he does is he makes sure to take off all of their masks because he knows it's being videotaped. He knows it's being recorded. So like he could beat these people up and then get arrested, but he can't do this. He demasks them and they're still going to get arrested that way. Also the power of their anonymity, you know, is a strength if you're just a middle of the road crook like these guys. So they're going to get arrested. They're not going to have a lot to stand on. So that's just sort of like, Oh yeah, everything is surveyed right now. Like every, you know, like, those faces will get captured. We'll know who these people are. And they surely did. So, or even I just if they're that. not captured, the, the power of their fighting community good. And if the community knows that these people that they live next to were out there trying to burn down this beautiful community, help this haven, how much that would even hurt them in their lives, even if they don't get arrested. It's so smart. And yeah. Oh, it's just so good. I'm just Roman. Yes. I gave it a nine. I gave it a 10. It was my highest score of the week for dang sure. It was my highest score of the week, too. Right in between the two with a nine and a half. We call it a Colette sandwich. She's the meat and Roman and I are the buns. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. 269. Nice, baby. I love um, being a bun. Yeah, you do love being a bun. Hey, uh, Roman, Colette, can I? Hey, Colette, can you do me a solid? Can I have you just Maybe. hang out for just a quick second? Can I just hang out for a quick second? I'm going to talk to Roman really quickly about Thor. Is that cool? Do it. I got scotch. Thor. I'm happy. Roman, <laughs> Thor 25, Donnie Cates, Martin Cocciolo, and Matt Wilson. This is Banner of War Part 2. It started in Banner of War Alpha. That's Donnie Cates is writing Thor and Hulk. And this is the that there was an alpha shot. And now it's going to go between the two series. And there's going to be an Omega. Listen, behind the scenes, that came out last week. Okay, uh-huh. two weeks ago was free comic book day. Everyone worked themselves to death to a point of exhaustion. And then the next day, my partner got COVID and we missed our seven year anniversary and her birthday. And I went and lived at my mom's house for a week. So we didn't get an episode out that week. And then I was just still at my mom's house with no recording equipment and not anything. So we just didn't do it. Listen, you know, there weren't podcasts. We know there weren't podcasts. This should be 271. <laughs> not nice. But no, it is 269. Nice. So here we are recording this episode so yes there's a gap in some things yeah we probably would have talked about an issue of nightwing or something if it came out i don't know you know what we would have talked about but here we are talking about thor 25 roman uh what i like this bud i like this it's donny cates it's dumb it's fun it's dumb the thor stuff is cool the hulk stuff is dumb but I do think I've created a working model for how it exists. And I'm curious, are you able to do the same thing? Cause I think that it's kind of like, this is kind of such an out there story that if you can't find a way to be on board with visualizing it, it's just frustratingly nonsensical. I'm just curious where you're at with it. Um, I don't think I, well, I don't think I, I even, I don't think I even thought to do that. Cause I'm, I'm reading Hulk and Thor anyway. So they, they just all segued together. <laughs> I guess what I mean is like, the, the whole Hulk thing, like he's oh, a yeah, spaceship. That, what does yeah, that mean? Where's yeah, the psyches? What is this other? Where is that thing? Like, for oh me, yeah, that's I, crazy and dumb, and it doesn't make any sense. And every time I read an issue of Hulk, I'm like, and they am I reading this? I think I liked it, but at the same time, I don't, I don't understand what the hell's happening. They keep saying <laughs> words like starship, and I think he needs to drop that word because it makes it more confusing. But what you've basically done is you're just you have the Hulk who is physically impenetrable and impervious yeah. to all things. And then within him is Banner's consciousness. But the only difference now is that Banner is sentient within the body of the Hulk and his consciousness is driving it. But he's also using the other consciousness of the Hulk as an engine. So he's like kind of partitioned off the consciousness within the single body. But they keep portraying it as if Banner is in a physical space and he's not in a physical space. So it's like a metaphor, which is why Odin could be with him. But even still, that kind of stretches the metaphor. It's like, Donnie, okay, but... Then I had this other thought, Roman, yeah, which yes. is like, what is it? So many comics are rooted in reality and what works and doesn't work. And that's good. I think that's the era of comics that we're in. I think post 80s, that's kind of where we've been. But I think before that, comics were like more 60s, 70s, were and early 80s were just sort of like, yeah, crazy stuff happens. And you don't, you're not necessarily obsessed with like, does it work or does it not work? You just kind of go with it. And I think that if you can kind of lubricate the imagination in the way that he is right now, which is by saying, like, I don't like, it doesn't make concrete block on top of block sense. If you're, if this, if your head is kind of primed to think about things that way, I think it's able to go further in a sort of imaginative, ridiculous way than if you are trying to make it believable or, or real. Or I, I, I don't know. That's just the, the the thoughts I had while reading this, which is like, yeah, this doesn't like, I, it doesn't make sense. But maybe that works to an advantage because I think we're in an era of 
storytelling, whether it be TV, movies or whatever, we're like, we're kind of obsessed with things making sense. We're all like, I'm, I have YouTube. I know enough to know that I'm an expert. And I don't know. That was just a thought I had while reading this <laughs> issue, Roman. I wonder what, I wonder what the COVIDs are going to do to the little banner inside your head, buddy. Did you just hear that crystal rant I went on? I don't even know if I'm Jeff anymore. I'm just like, I'm just breathing COVID crystals. I hope the two of you are okay. The cybernetic infosphere might be taking these crystals, taking them into the data sphere, out of the infosphere, and then putting them into your micro ears. And oh my I God. hope I'm not making you get it. But Jeff, Jeff is being replaced by a silicon doppelganger. <laughs> the, here's what I'll say. It's stupid that this issue is oversized. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to read a big issue here. And I got halfway through it, and then it's just like a reprint, and then a story I didn't want to read. Well, 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 that, that, that's funny. I oh, and the the middle story by Ron by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends who wrote. Or is that not a reprint? They wrote and drew the drew Thor for a few years back in the eighties. It's not a reprint. It's a oh, new I thought story both by of those were reprints. Okay, but I didn't it's read also uh, I read I read it all. That story is just I don't know. I thought it was unnecessary. I liked the adaptation of the back and the act of the actual mythological story where um the myth is that there's a ice giant that wants that's taken thor's hammer because it's just in the marvel comics that thor's hammer can't be lifted by anybody except those who's worthy and anybody could lift mm -hmm. it in the mythology that was strong um in the myth ice giant steals thor's hammer he'll give it back if they like bring him freya and so he can marry freya but loki's idea is to dress Thor in drag and, and take him to the ice giants. And they're going to pretend to get to marry Thor off the ice giant and get the hammer back mm. and then slay all the ice giants. <laughs> so in here they do that, except it's uh, they asked to marry uh, Angela to put it in Marvel continuity. Oh. And then Thor goes to drag and mm. the whole myth plays out. I thought that was a fun story. Um, yeah. The art's also great in it too. It's very fun and unique. Yeah. Yeah. And the main story, it was fun. I, I liked at the, alpha a little better just because there's because of one great humorous moment where banner's yelling at hulk in his head and odin who's now trapped who's dead but his spirit is in mjolnir and he's in thor's head yelling at him through mjolnir and there's a great moment in the fight where they start to fight then both hulk and thor both stop and they're just like shut up and then they look at each other like who are you talking to <laughs> and then like both of those meta consciousnesses end up in the dreamscape of hulk's head I yeah. just think, you know, spoilers, everyone, but like this issue ends with Tony Stark having created an Iron Man celestial armor to go fight them. <laughs> and like, dang, bud. Yeah, that, that's you awesome. got me. You got me like that's that's good. So not not world endingly good, but eight, eight, oh, you know, for sure. Eight for me. It uh, yeah. Donnie well, Cates makes me skeptical and then he makes me totally engrossed the entire time. So. Yeah, it was fun. It's always fun to see the latest, like, ridiculously, stupidly overpowered armor Tony's somehow come up with. And I don't think, I mean, like, the last main Iron Man series, I think that the Cantwell, he's doing some interesting stuff with it. But it's been a long time since anyone did anything, like, progressive with that technology. Because they keep trying to do it with technology, right? Well, I can be in a bunch of places, or I'm in the internet or something. But, like, this is like, oh, yeah, he's he made a celestial suit. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I do have to say his Cantwell's Iron Man, he did just... No, that's what I'm saying, yeah. with the exception of Cantwell. Oh, because, with the exception, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, his, he's doing that cool Corvac stuff, and the, like, yeah, yeah the, I think that with the exception of that, it's been a while since there's been anything interesting technologically done with a character who's rooted in technology. That's one thing I thought in this was a little, just a little slightly jarring for me as a Cantwell Iron Man reader, that Tony in this is a little too much of a dick 
contrasted with his still dickishness, but less dicky in the Iron Man title. Well, he's a little he's a little too much. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. In this, See, I had a similar thought while reading this issue, and it kind of like I was pulled out, and I was thinking about. Uh, it's interesting, you know. I think again in the kind of pre-internet era or pre-big social media era or whatever, it like you had the idea of like if you were reading Captain America in a comic book, that was the voice of Captain America. But now I think that the way comics are kind of produced now, you're very much like, oh, this is Donny Cates, Captain America, or this is Mark Wade writing Batman. And again, to use the word partition, like we partition these characters off to be, you know, like, oh, that's a Bendis Spider-Man. Whereas, you know, I am, I kind of long for a time where there's, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but there was a uniformity to the voice. It felt like, so you were actually, if you were reading Captain America, it felt like you were reading Captain America. Whereas, you know, it feels now like everyone's got a different flavor and I think that's good. But at the same time, it's also kind of nice to feel like you're looking at that same, you know, character that reading that same character's voice. So anyway, there's another thought this book had. Again, yeah. I like comics to make me think. If you do get a chance, which I, well, well you will this coming week. Banner of War Omega. There is another great moment in that that I won't spoil where Wait, it's just, Alpha or Alpha. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a great moment there involving Thor subduing the Hulk with his hammer. And it's just, it's just awesome. Cause we haven't seen it before. Do you think Roman's seen that? Um, <laughs> Roman. So what was your score for it? Also when this Odin has one of his big old, oh. like twisty Ram antler like helmets, which is like always cool. I gave this, I give this an eight, an eight solid eight. Colette. <laughs> I, that was the same score. I gave it Colette. You and Roman, you talked to me about fables. One fifty one. Huh? You're back. Colette's making horns. She loves it. It's Fables 151 time. I've never read a single issue of Fables in any type. I wanted oh to read gosh. this one. I forgot to take it home. Colette is well, you the biggest been. Fables fan in the planet. Um, and Roman also is. So I, you know, I, I mean, we were just talking about this the other day. It's been quite a while since I read Fables. Mm-hmm. And I have this like, I loved it. Um, even when it got not so great, I still loved it because I was so in it. But um, but it's been long enough now, and I've read so many comics. I'm like, part of me wants to reread it, and part of me is like, I I don't know if it would live up to my memory. I have no idea. Um, but I know this is in theory supposed to be a good jumping on point for people who haven't read Fables, but <laughs> I don't think it would be a good. Jump I don't think so either. <laughs> I felt lost, and I've read all of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm was... looking forward to seeing where it goes. <laughs> I also didn't really feel very excited to hear that they were bringing fables back so i don't know that i'm the person to uh, i don't know it was fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was you know i i love uh i'm so glad they kept the original creative team because i love yes Art buckingham and Leahola, however you say his name i love their artwork mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what carried me through the issue and, and it's not bad or anything it's just yeah i don't know how it's not exactly a good jumping on point because i in the first few pages, I had to remember, okay, what happened in issue 150, like in 2015, I think you said Colette. Um, Cause I know I read that, but that was in 2015. Um, yeah. I remember how the, the very anticlimactic way that the battle between snow and Rose went, but I forgot that Totenkinder and Cinderella had killed each other. I knew they yeah. battled, but I didn't remember that Cinderella had been, killed and i'd forgotten that fable town had been revealed to the world sorry this is 
lots of big spoilers for if you want to read 150 <laughs> issues worth of fables um yeah before if, this but yeah and if, uh, you, and if anybody doesn't know fable basically fables the the premise is that um all the fables and and legends that we know and love uh they exist out in the world but if they want to they live in fable town which is actually in the center of manhattan i think and it's mm-hmm. not invisible it's just got a glamours on it so that us regular people mondays which isn't that what they call it yeah harry potter too um can't see it but now they can see it because i guess the in issue 150 the glamours were all busted <laughs> yeah the so this was basically the book that started the entire big movement of doing retold fairy tales and reimagined fairy tales because it's this yeah. whole interconnected set of worlds and there's a, a evil that has run all these fairy tale characters into hiding in the mundane world and and then just weird character stuff ensued for 150 issues and it's cool like you know it's the same prince charming that married snow white and cinderella and sleeping beauty and he's a smarmy womanizing (laughs) asshole and um you know the jack of the and the beanstalk and jack be quick and all those is all the same guy and um and jack of the green um the big bad wolf big b wolf is the yeah private eye gruff and rough and tumble dude and he's your he's your wolverine meets uh meets um uh um sherlock holmes batman no um mr bean oh my god i'm so (laughs) brain dead he's here he's there he's every fucking where we can't thank you um (laughs) (laughs) he's he's wolverine meets roy kent so you know i love him um this but i mean like people sounds cool like the idea of just like all those jacks the same person he's a smarmy like all, i again i love it it's just it's an intimidating like hey do you want to read 150 issues no i don't want to read 150 issues of anything right now <laughs> because i'm going to read a ton of wish issues every week until i die well and the first volume is not very good it's yeah, like introducing you to the characters of the world but the story isn't that great it doesn't get good until or gets into what it is in volume two um you know, I, I don't, I read all of fables and trades. So I'm hoping that this will end up being just like a, when you look at the whole thing, it's really cool. Um, I hope it's a good story. Uh, it was pretty lackluster, but it's also stepping into a really big complicated world. Um, yeah. Um, after a long time. So. Yeah. And apparently a uh, big B and, and, and forgive me if my memory has failed me and it's him and snow have yeah, a family snow, I, now. They yeah. have, they have a bunch of kids who also are werewolves like Bigby. Um, we're not werewolves. They're they're people that change in the wolves, but they aren't cursed like, you know, a horror werewolf. Yeah, no, they're um, they shapeshift into wolves and they're also related to the North Wind. So they're yeah. they fly and have wind powers and things. Yeah. And they've they've left Fable Town. They're settling somewhere in the woods. There's this cool castle that's kind of built into the the cliffside tree side that where the former Jack of the green lives with this talking goose, but there's a new Jack in the green now. Who's this interesting young woman with the, who's an archer and got the great floppy hat. Roman. And she, and she meets who's Jack in the green. Who's the story? What's the story behind that? Cause I don't know that one. I don't quite remember, but I think it's, it's similar to it all plays into the green man and Robin hood and, okay. and all of that stuff are all aspects of the same story. Um, Jack and the green is a, another forest protector. And, and in this issue, she meets up with Mrs. Bear. There's a bear, Jeff. <laughs> and they have a great conversation and, and 
the bear talks about bear things. <laughs> and that and it, is one of the really cool things about fables is that it's not just Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Prince Charming. It's like they actually did a ton of research into old fairy tales, like Snow White's original, original story. It was Snow White and Rose Red being left in the woods and Rose Red is her sister in this. And it doesn't just mine really basic things. There's it, it's cool. I, I, I would love to read. I mean, it does sound cool. And it, I feel like there's probably people who are pumped that it is back. Um, but it also seemed like as far as I knew that it had a good ending. So I, I'm curious then what are your scores for the return of fable and bill Willingham uh, donning his crystallized, I mean, his fuzzy uh, nature fiction Cape fable Cape, the fable Cape. <laughs> I actually, I actually gave it an eight and, and whoa. Yeah. And some of that, I think some of that is just because more I'm excited to be back in this world than I am so far, at least by the story. But like the last page, there's there's a big old mystery. And that really got me. That was my, my favorite thing in the issue, actually. Yeah, that was good. I um I love Mark Buckingham's art. Oh, is it's it not really... Bill? Oh, sorry. Bill well, William. William wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, was, I had the Inghams. The crystals confused yeah. the Inghams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's reading it. There was like a wonderful comfort of looking at um yeah. Buckingham's art again. And uh I will give it. Uh, I was going to do a six and a half, but I'm going to give it a seven. Um, it did make me want to go back and reread some of fables. And I, I hope it, um, I hope this is a, a slow setup to a good story. Yeah. That was the perfect word for it that you used comfort. Yeah. It's a, it's a comforting world. I, I like being in that world. It's kind of how I hey, feel Jeff. when like a new Astro city story comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. You got some time at home. You want to start a new podcast and do an issue oh, by issue fables oh, read through with me? Hey, I already started a new podcast. <laughs> no, I, I'm no. going to record a new episode in two days, but I can't talk about it until I have more <gasps> in the bank. I'll record episode two on Sunday. Um, hopefully, if I'm not dead, if the crystals <laughs> haven't gotten me. Hey, 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 do you want to talk about a book that three issues <laughs> in, in general, I wouldn't think I'd still be reading. And <laughs> even while I'm reading it, I think that I shouldn't like it as I'm as much as much as I am. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, please. It's world's finest. Actually, no. Oh, oh, never mind. Oh. I don't want to talk. About no. Oh well, let's talk about <laughs> popsicles. What's your favorite type of popsicle from the brand oh, Popsicle? Bud oh. signals. There's yeah. those one. Those ones. But what are they called? Oh, it, in town here, they're local. They're really good. West Coast pops. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yummy. Well, that's not Popsicle brand, Popsicle, like the question had been asked. Mine oh, that's the actually biggest. the name of the brand? Yeah, okay. yeah, I have a shirt and a pair of socks with their logo on it because I fucking love Popsicles. Um, <laughs> I would say push-ups or strawberry shortcake bars. Um, love them. Love them both so much. When Flintstones, when they were Flintstones oh, push-ups. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's some childhood right there. <laughs> love it. Mm. Oh, my God. I, so I didn't know. So... Is popsicle like a specific brand name? Is that copyrighted? Is I mean, we I think call it's it... kind of the equivalent of like Band Aid, you know? Like I think that like yeah. like I don't know, popsicle is a brand, but uh, I kind of feel like they've co-opted the brand, the, the whole genre, you know? Yeah. Uh, in the same way wow. that like their adhesive medical strips yeah. uh, or bandages. Yeah. But wow, I didn't know that. Cool. So Mark Wade and Dan Mora are still doing this world's finest book, and. World's Finest, a franchise I'll read anytime they start putting it out, but it is not often that three issues in, I'm still pumped to be reading it. And it's also not often that I'm just dealing with like in DC comics, Kung Fu people on a mountain fighting the devil, not devil. Like that's, 
that doesn't sound like something I really care to read about in my superhero comics. I would read a Kung Fu comic for that. Looking at you, Firepower. And yet, <laughs> this book is really good. How are they doing mm-hmm. it? Am I wrong? Are we all wrong? Am I wrong? Is, is this really good? This is no. really good. It there is, is nothing it, about this book that make that says that I should be have enjoyed the first one, right. let alone be still reading it. And I'm totally into it. It's charming. It, it is charming. Roman, take it away. This is, seems like Roman book to a T. Oh, yeah. I was so excited when they announced them. Uh, Mark Wade and Dan Morrow were going to be doing this world's finest because Mark Wade's specialty is is Silver Age DC characters. Um, and yeah, I love this series. I mean, you got the Doom Patrol and you got you got Robin hanging out, with, adventuring with Super, Supergirl up on the mountains with these Kung Fu people. Um, you got these great little touches, which we haven't seen before. Little things like the Doom Patrol goes to find General Immortus, one of their old foes, and he's he's immortal. And no one's dealt with this before, but uh, he he's he's gone senile. He has dementia now because yeah, he's immortal, but his brain isn't. Um, well, I guess it is, but it's not immol- invulnerable to disease. Right. And it's a really sad couple of pages. <laughs> right. And a very original idea. And, and but to that point, like just all all sorts of silver agey things throughout it, but also then Mark Wadian things, like just like just that touch of science or just the awareness of the history of it. Like Dr. Alchemy turns Wonder Woman back into clay uh, or like the, the enchanted mirror that flash runs into from mirror master. And then the way that Superman uses that, but then also just the dynamic between Bruce and Clark in this or Superman and Batman, like is, is so charming. Like Colette said, like that's a great word for it. Um, Yeah. Like the way that there's just like this knowing awareness that Bruce is human and therefore inferior, but there's always this sidestepping aspect of Bruce trying to prove that he's not inferior, but he also knows that he knows that's going on. So it's just like, it's so cute and real. And then again, that's a gray and blue and yellow Batman. That is Mm -hmm. boing. That is right. (laughs) That is right up my alley. Yeah. And I love the fact that I think in a previous issue or maybe a whole different comic, um, Batman has stated before he doesn't like like piggybacking on flying characters. So in this, it's just cracked me up. There's a scene where Superman's flying Batman over the landscape and he's just holding Batman under, under the armpits and Batman's just like hanging there, but he's like got his legs tensed or something slightly. So it looks like he's standing in the air (laughs) and it's just such a Batman thing to do. It's like, Nope, carry me like this. I don't care if it's killing my armpits, do it. (laughs) It's also, I think the Tim Burton bat, man signal which is like notoriously <laughs> talked about is like not a bat signal or a bat symbol but it is like he he is drawing that symbol which is like it's noticeable because there's like the three prominent weird prongs at the bottom on the middle that come out like um anyway you, you can google tim burton bat symbols uh and it's a, it's a fun little rabbit hole to go down but then that's only strengthened at the end by the fact that like there's the tim burton batmobile and that glorious shot of the bat cave back there like which is like mm-hmm. my favorite batmobile tied tied for my favorite batmobile yeah, um, yeah. God, I, I love the fact he's got billy batson in here as yep. a plot point but he's written in that he can't become captain marvel so he's just there <laughs> oh and do- you mentioned dr alchemy i was thrilled with that because he's a you know a, an obscure flash villain but when i first started reading the flash as a kid dr alchemy was in it all the time so i was Aww. i was pretty tickled mm. seeing dr alchemy here again because you never well, see him nowadays i love when roman gets tickled so i gave this one a nine <laughs> it was it was high up there it was almost a 10 you know that's a nine that's a that's an incredible comic well done buddy 
Yep, I also gave it a nine. My second highest book this week. Yeah, sure. Nine. We'll what did it. you give it? I, I think I was going to give it a nine. I don't come up with scores before the moment. Colette, I would, you I would, journal about them right after you read them, and then you leave your journal at work at the end of <laughs> Thursday. So I get it. You just don't remember what you journaled about. I think I was going to say eight and a half. Yeah. Um, but you guys got me happy. I, sorry, I was I was in the middle of having to text about figuring out coverage for someone's shift tomorrow since he's got COVID. Django, get back, <laughs> you buddy. Your COVID's messing everybody up. You know what sucks the most about me getting COVID right now is that there's no way that I can blame Django. You know, <laughs> if he had gotten back, I would have found ways to be like, oh, you gave me COVID. He'd be like, dude, I've been testing negative for three months now. I'm like, dude, you're a carrier. But he's not even back, so I can't possibly do that. Well, wait, maybe you can. You okay. were at a, you were at his house for a few days. Did Before you get it? Was... Did you get into his fridge? Maybe he had some COVID floating around in that fridge. He was he got COVID after he left his house. Well, yeah, but but let's let's just fudge the okay, timeline a right, little. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> let's fudge maybe, the timeline. Maybe yeah, Eric Carrier monkeyed it back okay, with her, okay, like, okay. and then she stuck something in the house that then you okay. touched and you got. Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, hey, yeah, Colette, yeah. since you're talking so much good stuff, can we talk a little bit about the X Men corner right now? None of us read New Mutants, which was an important X Men book that came out this week, but also Immortal X Men number two came out and X Men Red number two came out Clint, did you read any of those can you lead the charge as the most knowledgeable x person here although maybe roman is i don't know uh sorry i'm still trying to text with ashton um oh. i'm so good at multitasking at this point i was just like oh yeah hey, listen, whatever i'll everyone, record a podcast like, text and schedule like, please and- don't schedule because jeff will just start talking but if you need to schedule i can go i can talk <laughs> um yeah talk i have to send one more text because it's okay uh, 9 40 on a friday night and i'm talking scheduling with a sweet wonderful employee who is already overworked yeah don't feel bad jeff um (laughs) x-men red number two uh written by al ewing and stefano caselli roman what did you think of x-men red boy of uh, the two x-men did you read immortal i did i did okay i um of the two, I think I liked Immortal a little bit more, but that was simply because Mr. Sinister's in it. And mm-hmm. as you know, I've fallen in love with Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Um, X-Men Red, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like it as much as the first issue of X-Men Red. Um, though this one does have some great big robot guys, the progenitors. I don't know. I, I, was, I don't really care about Vulcan, and I didn't really care about what was going on in this issue. Um, Vulcan's got a cool costume. I like his colors. Yeah, black and red always work. Yeah, yeah, always works. I um, agree. I didn't, I don't care about Vulcan. I did think this issue did a good job of making me care a little bit more. Like they presented it in a good way, just like he's losing his mind. He thinks he's has these people there that are giving him drinks, but he's actually just an alcoholic who's like imagining them. And like, that's interesting. I, I would say it got me about eight pages in before I lost interest. So like, that's not yeah. nothing. That's like a third of the issue, but I that's, did lose that, interest. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. If the whole issue had been about his uh, deteriorating mental health, mental, physical health and everything. Yeah. I would have been much more interested. But yeah, I, yeah, I would say, I think that I like this one more than Immortal X-Men, but Immortal X-Men did have the sinister stuff, which again, I went into kind of skimming mode in Immortal X-Men as well. But then as soon as the Sinister shows up, it's every word, every panel. Love it, you <laughs> yeah. know? And it yeah, is worth definitely. mentioning uh, in an interesting way that uh, Jonathan Hickman is the one who made me really care about Mr. Sinister, but he credits Kieran Gillen's uh, Uncanny X-Men run from the 2000s 
as being oh. what he based and you know like what made sinister click for him and how like what his basis for the character is so given that immortal x-men is written by kieran gillen it makes sense it's kind of nice to have that through line whereas like uh i do think in hellions Cy Spurrier did a good job. I think that was who was writing that book. Um, yeah. Was doing a good job of no, maybe Zeb Wells. Um, but anyway, it was doing a good job of making me care about Sinister. That was a good voice there. But anyway, it's it's either good or not good. And um, and yeah, so that was my X Men Red thought. Cloud, I don't think Red X Men Red, but she'll lead the charge on Immortal X Men. Roman, what was your X Men Red score? Um, X Men Red score, I gave it a six. I gave it a six point five. Hell yeah, Colette, Immortal X Men. Immortal X Men. I read. They don't that. die. They're immortal. They, they go are. forever. They do, unless they choose not to uh, put them towards the top of the queue. Yeah, it, it, it's it's you know semi mortal. It's time lapse mortal. I don't know. I'm not clever <laughs> at this point in the night. Um. So yeah, this is uh. So it looks like you know the first one was through Sinister's perspective, and this one is through Hope, who just got uh, elected to the Quiet Council. Um. I I am a big time Hope fan. Always have been. Um, I did not actually read Generation Hope, though, which is the uh, run that Kieran Gillen did about her. So, oh. um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I used to like more of Gillen stuff and I got kind of jaded and burned out. And so my expectations have been very low for this run. And it, this and the last issue I liked better than I expected to. That doesn't mean that I really liked them a ton, <laughs> um, but they're I've liked them better than some of the X stuff that's been coming out. I also am kind of burned out. I love X-Men so much and I've read so much just kind of not for me X-Men for a while yeah. now that I'm getting um, getting a little worn out I'm with on you. getting excited about any of it. Uh, this does make me curious about, because I didn't read Kieran Gillen's um, previous X work. So, now, so I am curious about it because I generally like their writing, but I never read those ones. Yeah, the I... only... Oh, I think that with the X-Men, the problem was for a long time that like it has like, you know, like, like Fantastic Four has this huge history. But I do think a lot of times it kind of digs down, whereas I think X-Men kind of digs outward by like introducing lots of more characters and different versions of characters. And the cast of characters ultimately in an X-Men thing is huge. So there's all these tertiary things that they can explore and I think what was working well with the Hickman stuff was that he kind of chose a core of the history of X-Men and then started introducing his own stuff to it. And it didn't feel like I was needing to care and learn about a bunch of characters I didn't know that well because I didn't have to learn a lot of new characters that have rich history that much. But we have kind of reverted once again back to this thing where we're like, I don't know, let's spend a bunch of time with Vulcan and Celine, And it's just like, I don't... I don't know. Like there's that balance of make me care about either a new character or an old character. But when I'm, it's hard to make me care about a lot of characters I don't care about. And that's kind of where we're at with a lot of the X-Men books right now. Well, and I think you can tell when the writer is pulling one of those characters in because it's one that they have always been interested in. Like I, it does kind of feel like Celine being brought in is more because that's someone that like Kieran Gillen, like, Oh, I kind of like that creepy immortal vampire lady. Um, I've had this story saved for a while. I can make it be but, here. Uh, you know, I, I always like the X-Men in that because it was such a wide, vast world that it, it seemed to really um, encourage stories that were based out of being inspired to tell a story about mm. like you could pick if you had an idea in your head of the type of story, you could pull any X-Men that you needed to be able to tell that story. And as mm -hmm. long as you could actually 
pay attention or cared about what their character has been and not just sticking them in like the movies did of like, well, this is a power set and we're just going to write a blanket character that fits and give them that power set and that name. Um, but there, it meant that there were some really cool, interesting stories and, and it feels like they're doing that again, but because everything is so like, Hey, we're going big with X-Men, but we're kind of like throwing this and throwing that and trying this and trying that but you should be really excited about it. It gives a lot less of a, um, it gives a lot more letdown with all the, the stories that aren't really hitting. I I think I'm losing my train of thought. I just, I, I really I, like I, X-Men and I've been really disappointed by a lot of this. I think and this, I feel point... like at least he cares about the story he's telling. I think there's more plot care than a lot of them have had, as opposed to wanting to have stick a bunch of characters together and have them have emotional talks or things. But I don't know that I care about the story. He's I I don't I interrupted Jeff with my sad attempting to keep this story my thought going. So I'm just gonna stop and let Jeff talk. I think I that your, know where your I'm going. point was really, really good, which is that I think that in like the 80s and 90s, they were expanding the X-Men families. And so we we had, you know, like a small number of X-Men books, but then we over a small period of time got a lot of different X-Men books. So like you know, Kieran Gillen liking Celine. I think that there's a whole generation of writers now who are the main writers at comic book pe- like companies. And they all were reading these tributary series that were coming out like Generation X or, you know, X-Force or X-Factor or something. So they all have these favorite characters because there were so many options at that time. Um, but you're looking at sort of like subclasses of subclasses of, you know, of, of ultimately mm-hmm. what is X-Men. So you now have all these writers who are trying to include these characters that they loved from when they were young but not everybody experienced that same thing where all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of X-Men comics coming out and they were reading all of them. So it, it's a tough, I, I, yeah, I think that you sort of pointed to that with what you were saying with Kieran Gillen. And I think that's a really good point. I, 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 I think you're right on there. Um, well, it's like how the five, like I know most people who were reading House and Powers didn't look at that lineup and happened to have read and loved stories with most of those characters i know most of those kids like most people don't know who ava bell was yeah didn't care about elixir and i happened to like have elixir was in one of my favorite fantastic four and that was cool and he actually did something interesting with those characters that most people don't know about but it wasn't in a way that you had to know about them as opposed to a character being thrown in because hey i like this character they're cool i'm gonna throw them in and you're probably gonna be lost because you haven't actually read any of the stuff with them and ava bell was important and cool but i didn't have to keep reading her. yeah like she yep. was only in it as a, a flavor or an element so i gave this one a 5.5 5. I, I liked it one point less than x-men red uh i i i give it a, a six and a half i gave it a seven one point more than x-men red nice we're covering the spread on that one buddies yeah we are (laughs) but listen let's not spread ourselves over this crystallizing crevasse all right let's let's unite roman's farting so feeling he's uniting in the way that he's trying to make Django feel invited Django. (laughs) you're here in my covid dulcet tones my dulcet covid tones my dulcet covid tones um a book came out this week called shaolin cowboy cruel to be kin and Maybe you've never heard of what we're about to talk about, or maybe you know what we're about to talk about, but we're going to talk about it because it came out and they don't come out that often, probably because it takes a thousand hours to draw a single issue of one of these comics. But uh, 
Roman, do you want to tell people about Shaolin Cowboy if or Jeff Darrow if they've never heard about either of those things? No, he's a Shaolin Cowboy. <laughs> um, uh, Jeff Darrow is this amazingly detailed artist that first became known for doing uh, a series of uh, magazine-sized comics called Hard Boiled with Frank Miller as the writer. Jeff Darrow is this artist just incredibly finely finely detailed artwork with just a lot of sci-fi elements dinosaurs um a lot of animals and just finely rendered i mean that's the main reason to read anything jeff darrow does is just for his artwork um the shaolin cowboys a character he i don't know when he created them but it's his own creation and the guy is in the 1800s i think He's, I mean, he's a cowboy, but he's also appears, I think he's a Buddhist monk. He certainly seems to practice Buddhism. I don't know if he's an actual monk. And he's have, I don't, and I got to admit, I mean, if it wasn't Jeff Darrow art, I mean, I wouldn't even read this. I mean, the storyline, I don't know what's going on. It's just weird. There's talking Komodo dragons and all the, the animals seem to talk and they're out in the desert. And he's fighting a Komodo dragon who, and protecting the Komodo's newly hatched son who the dragon just wants to eat because maybe that's what komodos do i don't know um so so the shaolin cowboy fights this dragon for the whole issue and it's an awesome fight beautifully drawn there's a bunch of words that i don't know really know what they mean um yeah colette right yeah yeah i mean I he's mean, not I... far off in anything that he said no <laughs> um yeah i mean it is a story narrated by an elderly komodo dragon about when he was freshly hatched <laughs> and met with the shaolin cowboy and they traveled around together i did not realize until a good way in that um you know the first little bit the um the the komodo telling the story uh gives you kind of time stamps every once in a while because he's talking about how long he's been alive and i definitely didn't grasp until he gave another one that it was supposed to all take place within like 10 minutes or something (laughs) (laughs) like um but yeah the the art is just something to behold um and it's weird and surreal and you know it's the kind of book that i spend 10 times as long and i already take forever reading a comic but 10 times as long as any other because i just get caught up in all the little details on each panel and that just trying to suss out what the plot is in this moment, but it's like, it's worth it. It's not a, it's not a slog to kind of like, wait, who's saying that what's going on? Oh, cause then you catch that tiny little drawing there and it, <laughs> it makes more sense. And I haven't yeah. read a ton of shell and cowboy, but God, it's just I'm so glad it exists. It's it's yeah. I, I don't know. There's, there is no artist like Jeff Darrow. It's and yeah, but I, I do think we're touching on the fact that, like, maybe he's not a great writer. Uh, it sure would be <laughs> yeah. cool if this art was in a book that, like, was really intellectually stimulating or super exciting to read. But they they are all kind of things that you just put up with because the art is so amazing to look at. And again, it probably I mean, it's the most detailed comic art I've ever seen consistently across the board. Like, I I don't think there's like a tier. There's not like, oh, yeah, that was when Jeff Darrow was lazy. Like, it's just all highly rendered, like Roman says. It's insane. Um, Very like psychedelic, just in terms of like you could stare at a panel for like what said 10 times longer than any other panel in any other comic book. Uh, So it makes sense that like he only is probably drawing stuff that he super wants to draw. 
And he apparently mm. likes to draw like dinosaurs and lizards and robots and kung fu and zombies. And, uh, you know, probably doesn't, he's an auteur. Like he probably doesn't really want to draw superheroes standing around in rooms talking and then going to fight things. Cause that would maybe be boring. So it's, it's, it's an incredible thing, but he's, it's a spectacle. And, you know, to be able to get these books and ideally get them in hard covers with the arts a little bit blown up, it's, you know, it's, it is incredible, but yeah, it's, it's kind of nonsensical as well. Like hard boiled even is pretty bizarrely nonsensical. I would yeah, love a really that's... like good partnership to Jeff Darrow book. Sorry, Roman. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard boiled still, I think my favorite thing by him. Um, oh, I really loved Godzilla in hell. Oh, I yeah, forgot. I forgot one issue him. with, yeah. with him. Right. Yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. He did that. Maybe that's my favorite thing by him. Cause I love Godzilla, but yeah, you can, this R where, I mean, you can just take a magnifying glass to the panels and and study them and i think and the artwork is so kinetic and flows so well i think actually you could actually not read any of the text or the dialogue and still follow a really entertaining story here i think yeah consistently you kind of mm-hmm. can with jeff darrow's art in general yeah. yeah there was some great stuff that at one point when they uh some kind of pterodon which i just realized has a pierced nipple um, dude he also has the the <laughs> NRA is written all over as yeah. the graffiti. Why yeah. NRA? Um, well, and ter- the, they reference um, uh, when he's making the, the elderly uh, Komodo dragon is making reference to like Western characters and stuff. He makes a reference to, um, uh, oh God, I'm spacing his name now, but the former head of the uh, John Wayne LaPierre. Oh yeah, I'm uh, actually on that page right now. Who was the, the head of the NRA up until really recently. Weird. I think he's not anymore, but Anyway, sorry, yeah, Roman, we yeah. both just cut you off. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, oh when that teardown grabs the 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 baby Komodo in its mouth and starts to fly off, um, uh, Shaolin Cowboy whips off his his blanket. It's or maybe it, maybe it's not a blanket. Maybe it's I guess it's a blanket. He whips it off his shoulders and starts twirling it and snaps it up to try and catch the pterodon. And at first, I thought I was like, "What is this liquid? Why is it wet?" And then I realized. Um, no, that's actually sand just being flung off the blanket, but it's flowing oh. through the air. And when he snaps up and wraps it around the uh, pterodon's tail, the sand all splatters like water. It's it's just so beautiful and cinematic. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was liquid because of the way that like a wet towel you can like snap yeah. and wrap it around something. So I didn't, but I didn't get that's where the what liquid had come from. But the it makes sense that it's sand when you're looking at where his feet are and everything too. Yeah. 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 Huh. Beautiful. And he's, ca- and he's always carrying this parasol. That's his protection yeah. from the sun. And, and it's just cute. And it's got a sword in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's got Which a sword is like, I mean, screw a cane with a sword in it. I yeah. want a parasol with a, <laughs> yeah. with a sword. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> something to behold. Uh, let me check my score for it. I gave it an 8.5. And again, it's it's tricky because there's not a lot of things that come out where I feel like I want to do a, an art separate score because it's like hard to give it anything less than a 10. But combined with the story that you do read, it's 8.5. Highly worth your time. It's amazing. Everyone should look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I give it an eight. Yeah, I'll give it an eight and a half. Man, it's funny how all these it has all these big vistas. And then toward the end of the last couple of pages, it's all of a sudden it's a bunch of little tiny panels because all of a sudden he, he has to jam in a bunch of plot there with this villain. <laughs> That's yeah, buddy. Comics. Um, now that we've come to the end of our road, uh, there's not a lot of oh, not a lot of 
uh, space left to go, but there's still some space left to go. You can send us an email. We got a wonderful email from somebody named Augustus. I can't wait to share uh, when we get Django back because I think we need Django on it uh, to do the fun game that Augustus has planned for us. Um, But you can always find us. You can find us when you gaze into the stars at night. We're just reflecting down. We're just that little flashing light that says, hi, you're not alone. We're the perfectly simple podcast out here in the in the idea sphere, you know, alone with you, orbiting some sun, a satellite idea. Uh, Colette's fingers very deep up her nose right now. It's like she's giving herself a COVID test, which is probably <laughs> worth doing. If you're out there, give yourself a COVID test because people are getting it. People are getting it again. This is my first time. So buckle up, everybody. I'll be doing audio diaries that I release every day. Um, <laughs> make sure to record and give updates. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Send us an email, info at thecomicsplace.com. No, don't do that. I take it back. <laughs> Send it to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. That was the crystals talking. The crystals are coming for me. I'm, I'm running. I'm out running them effectively as oh, well i was until now but now yeah. okay they're coming for me i gotta find some liquid in this sphere uh roll around roll around uh anyone anything you two want to say uh y'all are nice and we like you <laughs> and please be patient if it doesn't seem like we're happy with life over the next week we're very it's been, happy it's been a crazy time we're all really really happy um but it has been pretty bonkers and i'm gonna have a fun I'm going to have a fun couple of days ahead of us. I can't fucking wait to share it with everybody. But uh, if you're coming on Wednesday and I'm not there, it's because I'm at home with, with COVID. <laughs> I'll miss y'all. See you on the other Wednesday. Hopefully, hopefully the next Wednesday. Who knows? Um, but seriously, y'all are wonderful. And thank you for listening. And we love you. Yay. Okay. Roman? I need to sleep. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you next time. Hey, I've got a question. Oh, what is get, it? How do you get rid of COVID? <laughs> What's the best uh, way? Uh, Peanut butter. Uh, Savanium. <laughs> oh. No, there's some kind of Paxil whatever pill. Uh, Paxlovid. That's it. Paxlovid. Okay. I'll get that. See you there. The rise with COVID. Oh.